This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This week, the people of Florida faced Hurricane Ian, the first major hurricane to hit the United States this year. As I record this, the Category 4 storm had left more than 2 million homes and businesses without power, and the true scale of the damage is still unclear. The hurricane forced Ron DeSantis, who's Florida's Republican governor, and President Joe Biden to put aside their differences and come up with some sort of plan to protect millions of residents. But just two weeks ago, the pair were at loggerheads over a stunt DeSantis had pulled, sending migrants on planes to Martha's Vineyard, the predominantly democratic enclave in the liberal state of Massachusetts, without telling the migrants themselves where they were going or the authorities that they were coming. It's becoming a pattern where Republican leaders in southern border states are finding new ways to dramatise their criticism of Joe Biden's immigration policy. They think it's a vote winner. Are they right? And how big a part will immigration play in November's midterm elections? I'm Jonathan Friedland, columnist at The Guardian, and this is Politics Weekly America. This has been a, a big storm and, and it's done a, a lot of damage uh, as it is. It is going to continue to move through the state of Florida. Uh, you're going to see hurricane force winds in places in central Florida, perhaps. Anna Sabios is a political reporter for the Miami Herald. I spoke to her just before Hurricane Ian had barreled through Florida. And I began by asking her what preparations she was making. Yes, uh, we've been preparing pretty much all week. Uh, I'm in North Florida, so in a city called Tallahassee, the state capital of Florida. And we are expecting pretty heavy uh, search and rescue teams and power outages, uh, fuel shortages. Um, and pretty much the entire state is going to, going to be impacted. And so we're hoping for the best for everyone to stay safe, but the conditions are pretty dire at the moment. And you are covering the story. I know you were at a news conference uh, earlier in the day. What's your impression of how state officials, elected officials, politicians, how geared up, how ready for this are they? 
Right. Yes. Uh, they've been preparing for, for quite a few days at, at this point. Uh, we've known that the storm is coming. Governor Ron DeSantis has issued a state of emergency across the state. He's been pretty much politics that has come to a halt. And he had a call on Tuesday evening with President Joe Biden. You know, they've had a very contentious relationship in, in recent months, but during, especially during the pandemic, but during the hurricane, it seems like politics is, is coming to a halt and everyone's playing nice. Everyone's, you know, working together to make sure that safety is the priority and the focus for elected officials. Our focus always on this podcast is the politics, and there just is politics, even in a natural disaster like that, particularly for elected governors of states. It's seen as the big test, you know, whether it was Chris Christie in New Jersey and Superstorm Sandy. It can make or break reputations. This is a big test for Ron DeSantis. Some people definitely are framing it that way. You know, hurricanes are a common emergency, right, that governors over the years have had to deal with here in Florida. And, you know, there's there's a lot to say about how a governor, the head of the state, will bring calm and handle such a situation. And definitely there's a lot of exposure that comes to that person. And there's a lot of media attention, right? There's press conferences, there's logistical ways of an attention as to how they're planning, what they're prioritizing, who they're prioritizing, how they're messaging, how they're making sure that everyone stays safe. So certainly any error can be amplified because there's so much attention being given by Floridians, people who go and vote to the situation that is so local to them. So it is close to home. It's, it's you know, oftentimes people say that national politics is national politics. And certainly Ron DeSantis has made that the case with a lot of these quote unquote culture war issues. But when it comes to hurricanes, you know, that's another very important issue because it, it deals with life and property and a very hyper-local issue of how your governor is messaging to you and how to keep your family safe, how to keep your pets, how to keep your property, how to keep everyone in your community at bay of what's going on. And that can matter a lot, especially so close to an election. So the official position is that he's getting on with the job of being an effective chief executive of the state. That means working with the president of the United States, putting policy politics aside, to work with Joe Biden. As you say, there's been needle uh, between the two of them before. But there is a third point in this triangle. It isn't just a straight duel between DeSantis and Biden. And the third point in the triangle is, of course, Donald Trump, same party as Ron DeSantis, fellow Republican, but obviously potentially a rival for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024. And Donald Trump has spoken a bit about Ron DeSantis, saying some disobliging things about him over the summer, reports that he is actually irritated by the Florida governor, feeling as if, in effect, Ron DeSantis doesn't show him sufficient respect and that he made him a star and so on. So how is that playing out now as we go forward, even putting aside the hurricane? Because obviously Ron DeSantis has been doing so much of that kind of, as you mentioned, that kind of culture war politics, which does eat into the Trump base, if you like, and is very much the Trump way of doing business. 
there is friction between the two in the, in, in the way that anyone is watching the horse race, correct? I mean, right now we, we know that Trump remains a popular figure in the Republican Party. And DeSantis is seen as this young, up-and-coming, ambitious replacement for the mega world. And he is definitely owning a lot of the issues that made Trump so popular. And he's even going a little bit further in some of these cases. And there has been some tension, but it's mostly sometimes brushed off as speculation by the media, right? And they're not openly acknowledging uh, their perhaps distaste with their ambitions, because at the end of the day, they might agree on policy, but it does end up coming down to who is going to be the leader if it comes to it in 2024. So there are some tensions that have emerged, but DeSantis has been really successful at building a national brand. There's been new developments with Donald Trump and the numerous investigations that are going on, the the raid of Mar-a-Lago, the lawsuits, the criminal investigations in New York. So there is a lot of attention going on on the quote unquote drama, right, that is coming along with, with all those investigations. And DeSantis seems more focused on the policy that has made Trump maybe more popular. So that is the contrast that voters and supporters of MAGA world, right, might be looking at as they try to vet which candidate or which politician they might prefer to run in the future. That's right, because on ideas and policies, in a way, they're quite similar, but you can get, in a way, Trumpism without the baggage if you go with Ron DeSantis. And what we talk about when we're talking about policies is really this position on the culture wars. And I know that Ron DeSantis said in the summer, the state of Florida is where woke goes to die. And he's been doing that, which brings us to this plan of his that has been getting him a lot of coverage. I mean, he's been getting it all through recent months for these very statements he's been making. But now there's actual concrete steps he's taking. Uh, and that has seems part of a trend across several Republican run states. What we're talking about is the so-called relocation program. Explain that to us. What is Ron DeSantis doing and why is he doing it? So Governor Ron DeSantis has made immigration a top priority, just like Again, Donald Trump made the slogan of build the wall a major part of his campaign. DeSantis knows that immigration is an issue that resonates strongly with his Republican base and and, and his base specifically. And he has been talking about the issue since he was running for governor in 2018. And a lot of people have noticed, you know, that he has, you know, Florida obviously is not a border State, So he has been trying to insert himself in the conversation in different ways. And one of the ways that he's been doing it recently has been by saying that the state is going to have a taxpayer funded program to remove, quote unquote, unauthorized aliens from the state to other parts of the country. And he has been talking about sending them to states that are 
the vacation home of former President Barack Obama, or Delaware, where which is considered the home of President Joe Biden. So it's almost like a political message as to where these locations would be. And it started up the conversations about these this program specifically started about a year ago, uh, last summer, when he was also sending state law enforcement officers to the Texas uh, border with the with Mexico, and he was spending public funds to help. Texas protect the border. So he has been building up pretty much a, a case, right? That's that, that Florida is doing something that he is a Republican governor and he's doing something to combat the failures that he says are the immigration policies of president Joe Biden. And so this latest program started out sending about 48 asylum seekers, mostly from Venezuela, to Martha's Vineyard, which is in Massachusetts Island, where there's a lot of prominent Democrats who have vacation homes there. So that, that's what seems so pointed. I mean, chartering two planes using Florida taxpayers' money to do it, and in effect dumping human beings, migrants, in a liberal citadel. I mean, Martha's Vineyard is famous as being the place where the liberal, cultural and political elite go to vacation. And it just seems so pointed. Is is Ron DeSantis effectively saying, you lot claim to be so pro-immigration and condemning us for being tough on immigration. Well, if you're so pro-immigration, why not deal with some immigrants? Absolutely. I think the message has largely been around symbolism, right? I mean, you and you can hear that approach clearly when DeSantis goes on Fox News late night shows and talks about why he's doing this. And the Fox News hosts will be laughing and enjoying the the program so much and talking about it because they see it almost as a as a joke, as a as a way to own the libs. Exactly. Owning the libs, telling them like, we gotcha. Like you love migrants so much. Well, you go take care of them. We don't want to take care of them in a way or put your, put your money where your mouth is kind of thing. But that has been, you know, at the expense of detail and logistics. A lot of the time, there's not been a lot of clarity as to exactly how the program was rolled out. He was very secretive about it. Um, And so it it really is focused on messaging and making sure that he makes his point that Republicans are against this influx of, of, of migrants into some of their states and that they want Democrats to pay attention to the issue and address it. And there was even some commentary at some point that so close to an election, a program like this was a successful thing for Ron DeSantis and the Republican Party as a whole and across the country because he was able to refocus the conversation on immigration, something that is popular among the GOP base, and away from issues like abortion that had people talking about potentially mobilizing Democratic voters ahead of an election. So there was praise really among some people who were saying Ron DeSantis was able to to dominate you know, the news cycle and turn the conversation away from abortion restrictions and, and rights and toward immigration, which is a more important issue that can mobilize the base. And he's definitely got an eye on the news cycle because uh, we know that he uh, gave a heads up to Fox News so that they would have cameras there to film the 
migrants arriving and apparently gave them notice ahead of the relevant authorities on the ground. So this is all about media and messaging and communicating. But just in terms of the policy, I mean, these areas, these liberal enclaves that he is choosing as the address, the destination for these migrants, to what extent are they geared up for, prepared, equipped to take in immigrants? I mean, as I understand it, most of the migrants are Venezuelan, Colombian, adult, Colombian adults and children. They had no idea where they were going. So there seems to be a kind of cruelty for them. And there have been reports that once the migrants reached these places, for example, in Massachusetts, they had to walk miles to get help. The authorities were not prepared, didn't know what to do with them. Is, Is this really nothing more than a stunt for which there is no kind of preparation or policy capacity to actually treat these people with the, you know, and meet their needs? Well, that's certainly been the most prominent criticism, right? That it was a, not just a political stunt, but a cruel political stunt. And one of the reasons why that has been one of the most prominent criticisms was because when news of the flight came out, um, more details started coming out from how, when migrants were sharing the stories as to how they ended up, right, in Martha's Vineyard. And a lot of these migrants, you know, they were at a Texas resource center for migrants, and they were approached by someone who was promising them jobs in somewhere else, and housing, and a free ride, pretty much. And when they arrived at Martha's Vineyard, they said that there was really nothing waiting for them. So there's um, now a criminal investigation, even in Texas, of people, there's a sheriff who is claiming that these migrants were lured with false premises and that it was equivalent to fraud, right? Sending someone to an island, really, where the only way out is take a ferry or take a flight. And these are migrants who don't really have money on them. And they were reliant on, you know, volunteers or people who were willing to give them money to get them a ride back. And the other issue about why there was so much concern about them being stranded potentially or sent to an island was because the state of Florida might have been interrupting or disrupting the legal process, right? They were there were court hearings that they needed to attend in order to keep their legal status as asylum seekers in in, in the country. And by taking them to an island where maybe it would be harder for them to attend their court hearings, that is a disruption that some of the attorneys who are now representing some of the migrants are saying was cruel and uh, deceptive. And in order for them to keep their status, their legal status in the country, they would need to make those those hearings and making it harder was another part of the program that has raised some concerns. Beyond the legality of what Ron DeSantis is doing, just in terms of the court of public opinion, what defence does he make for what he's doing um, in terms of the lives and well-being of the people affected? So his main argument has been, you know, these are people who signed a waiver. They're volunteers. They wanted to go. They wanted the free ride. We're paying for them. We're giving them food. We're promising them a free ride to sanctuary states is what he calls them, even though they're not sanctuary states or just 
you know, there's Democrats who are in leadership. But just, just explain for us this terminology of sanctuary, sanctuary cities, sanctuary states, because that's thrown those terms are thrown around a lot in this debate. Just unpack both of those for us. Sure. So a, a so-called sanctuary city would be a, a, or a state would be a location that has policies in place that aim to protect undocumented immigrants, perhaps by not turning them over to federal authorities just because an official knows that they are undocumented, there would have to be perhaps like a crime or something committed rather than just, you know, outing them to authorities for deportation. So that has been very fiercely opposed by Republicans in Florida, for example, Governor Ron DeSantis push for a law that would ban so-called sanctuary cities across the state, even though there were really no jurisdictions that had that status. So it's just, again, a way of saying, listen, we, we're we not a state that's going to welcome just an influx of undocumented migrants go somewhere else. This goes beyond Florida, though. Ron DeSantis is not the only Republican governor who's been doing precisely this stunt, if you want to call it that. The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, has been bussing migrants who've been released from federal immigration custody from his state of Texas to Washington, D.C., once again, an area that is seen as a Democratic enclave, massively, overwhelmingly votes Democrat, but also it's obviously the seat of government. Uh, And then dropping those migrants just by where the uh, vice president, Kamala Harris, lives. Uh, The governor of Arizona has been doing something similar. Is there coordination between DeSantis and the others? Or is this just one of those things that gets good publicity, good coverage, it gets Fox News cheering? And so Republican governors are all jumping on the same bandwagon. It almost seems more like the latter. There has definitely been some coordination in the way that they are collaborating with one another. And for example, when Florida sent uh, state law enforcement officers to Texas to help them secure the border. But with the relocation programs, they're a little bit more different because it deals with contracts that the state has to deal with personally or more of a logistical mechanism, right, that the state individually has to deal with. There's not a multi-state partnership, but they are certainly mirroring one another in terms of what they're doing. And Texas uh, Governor Greg Abbott was the first one to roll out such a program. He did so in April. And I believe as of early September, there were about 6,000 migrants that he had already bussed to other parts of the country. And it was a similar message, but there was a little bit more transparency coming out of Texas. We knew from day one that, for example, this program in Texas was going to be voluntary for migrants, and they had to provide documentation that they were cleared by the Department of Homeland Security. So when we see DeSantis rolling out a last minute program, it was approved by the legislature and funded earlier in 2022. But there was no details as to how this program was going to be implemented, who they were looking for to giving the contract to or collaborate, what company would be doing planes or buses. There was no information as to whether it was going to be voluntary. They just said that it was going to follow federal law. And so they were very secretive in how they rolled it out. And it almost seemed like it was a little bit more chaotic because there was a lack of information. All the messaging that was being done out of Florida was almost political messaging and Fox News getting the exclusive and pretty much every single reporter scrambling to 
to figure out what was going on. So there seemed to be more attention because there was such little information and chaos that was associated with the rollout. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me, even if it shocks me a bit. I mean, that that fits the picture we have. But po- the politics of immigration has borne fruit. It's paid dividends for Republicans, most famously probably with the 2016 campaign of Donald Trump to build a wall to stop migrants making it across the border. He pressed immigration again in the midterm campaign of 2018, warning that their caravan of migrants was heading towards the southern border of the United States uh, from uh, Central and South America. It has worked for them. Is your sense, just because you obviously report and and our expert in the politics of the state of Florida, is it your sense that immigration is still the gift that keeps on giving to Republicans? Is it still working for them in this new form uh, that's being deployed by Ron DeSantis? I think there's certainly some truth to that, because when I think of DeSantis, I like to think of an elected official politician who is very tapped into what his base likes. And he's very strategic. He's very smart. He's known to be calculated. He doesn't do anything by mistake. So his intense focus on this issue must be for a reason. And I've noticed, at least with my reporting, that this is a very polarized issue. I noticed it immediately at just when I was writing these stories, you know, the emails that I would get would either be people who loved what he was doing or hated what he was doing. There was really no in between most of the times. And a lot of the times the commentary was really fueled by mostly like a compulsive reaction, an emotional reaction to what was being done rather than the specifics of what was being done. You know, the the reaction to the broad conversation of immigration rather than like the specific program and, and what it was trying to accomplish. That's one of the reasons why polling on this issue might not be as reliable because it depends on what you ask, right? I mean, what, what exactly are we asking? Are you are you for sending illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard? Well, it turns out that they were asylum seekers and they have legal status. And usually the messaging, right? Are we talking about children? Are we talking about criminals? Are we, There's nuance to the questions that you have to ask about this. But the broad issue of immigration does provoke a lot of emotion with Republicans and with Democrats. So I do think it's an effective issue to campaign on on whether on either side because it does provoke emotion and mobilizes people who might want to treat this as a single issue for them to go and get out to vote. Yeah, I mean, it's not for you, obviously, to advise Democrats, but do I read into what you're saying that Democrats would be more effective if they went for the specific of the policy, the specifics, rather than addressing this in broad brush terms about whether you are for or against more migrants coming to the US? Uh, again, I, I think it works both ways with Democrats and Republicans, right? When it, it's either they love it or hate it. And for Democrats, you know, the people who hated it weren't really talking about the specifics either. Most of the times they were, well, some were interested, but it was mostly they were repulsed by the fact that 
humans, right, in general would be treated this way. Um, It was not so much about the specifics about each one of the 48 migrants who was on the plane and what their situation was. It was broadly, how dare a governor try to attempt this as a whole, right, with humans and do this quote unquote political stunt. So there was, again, this broad reaction to the issue, whether it was Democrats or whether it was Republicans. And Republicans, again, saw it as an issue where they liked that the governor was doing this because they didn't agree that any migrants should be coming here illegally. And they didn't really understand maybe the nuance and complexity of the specific legal status of each one of the migrants who participated voluntarily in the program. Anna, we always ask our guests on the podcast a what else question, something else in the news. In this case, it's going to be something related because there you are in Florida, you're on the ground. Uh, and one of the big conundrums of the 2022 election cycle, the midterm elections, is where does the Latino vote, the Hispanic vote go? For many years, it was taken as read that they would side with Democrats, particularly if the issue of immigration was there because people were talking about their own families or or people who they in some ways saw something of themselves in. On this point that we've been talking about, about uh, immigration, to what extent does it line up on the way that perhaps people might have expected that Latino voters or Hispanic voters in Florida take against Ron DeSantis for dumping uh, immigrants from Central and South America? Or, as we've also talked about on this podcast over recent months, are things changing? Are Latino Americans beginning to vote in some ways like more conservatives uh, voters in the rest of the country? And that means sometimes crossing the aisle and voting with the Republicans. Okay, so uh, what I would say is that, you know, in in Florida specifically, the, the the Hispanic vote is really not monolithic. And I really do think that Miami-Dade County, which has such a large population of the Hispanic voters in, in the state, will be one to watch in how it goes this November election. Because we in that specific county and, and in other parts of the state, we, we have, for example, people from Cuba, we have people from Venezuela, we have people from Colombia. Uh, we have, you know, Mexicans, we have all these different uh, people who are Hispanic, but who view politics in such a different way. And they vote differently. And they view the issue of immigration differently. And for example, in the Cuban voting bloc is so important for Republicans. And right now, it, it looks like DeSantis really is tapping into that and becoming more popular among that specific group. You can see that a lot with, for example, how DeSantis's lieutenant governor, who is Cuban, messages about the issue in Spanish. And she is very much in favor of what DeSantis is doing and is on board with, you know, this program. And she recently caught a lot of flack for maybe like not clarifying exactly what she meant of who was going to be sent out of the state through this program, because there was some implication that maybe Cubans themselves would be 
part of this program. And she had to clarify for days and say that, no, like I meant refugees were not going to be impacted, meaning Cubans, but like we are going to be sending undocumented immigrants to other parts of the country. And so the nuance, right, is something that can be tricky for Republicans to navigate, but it is an issue that you know, they are messaging on even in Spanish. So it is something that we sh- that I'm personally watching as to how the Hispanic vote will turn in favor or of Republicans or Democrats and why, and, and specifically on this issue. That's something we're going to be watching too on this podcast. Anna Ceballos of the Miami Herald, thanks so much in what I know is an anxious week for you and people in your state. Thanks so much for talking to me on Politics Weekly America. Thank you so much for having me. And that is all from me for this week. The producers were Ian Chambers and Danielle Stevens. The executive producer was Maz Ebtahaj. I'm Jonathan Friedland. Thanks, as always, for listening. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.